ourselves and past our comfort zones, just like that guy that's an electrician that takes all those classes and, and you get into a comfort zone taking all those classes and, and you know all the stuff in the book and you, you've studied and you've crammed and, and you're, you've taken that test, but the real challenge comes to that young man that's got that electrical license when he has to actually go on the job and prove that he can actually do the work. All that book knowledge don't mean anything. It's like a college student taking a, all those classes for four years to become a CPA. You can become a CPA in college, but if you don't go put that in practice somewhere and work for a, a firm where you're actually crunching the real numbers of a, of a real business, and then all that stuff is in vain. All of our efforts, all of my effort to stand here is in vain if I don't put this into practice somewhere. Amen? I'm just trying to help us today. The Lord just wanted me to say that this morning, and so I wanted to get that in there. But but we And if, if you weren't listening with your spiritual ears on Wednesday, God sent a man to talk to us on Wednesday night. That wasn't just a good lesson. That man came and talked to us about something very near and dear and very close to what we're talking about today. Because a lot of times your Bible study is not going to start out in this book. It's going to start out in just fellowship. You're going to be having a snack and you're just going to be sitting around the table talking. And somebody that you're teaching a Bible study might to might say, well, tell me about your experience. And you don't have to, you know, it's not like getting a, an electrical Electrician's license. You don't have to memorize your testimony, do you? I could talk about my testimony till I make somebody else blue in the face. Because I know what happened to me. I know how I got in truth. I know, I, I can tell you in detail. I can even, I, in my mind, I could go back and sit, tell, sit in those places. I could tell you where I was. I could almost tell you the address. When revelation came, when, when God started dealing with me and all these things, and we can all do that. And so that, Brother Smeltzer wasn't just here to fill in. He wasn't, God, I believe God sent him here. And I hope and pray that everybody in this congregation was listening. Because God was speaking to us. He was just adding one more thing. Because it's not about being in here, as Brother Cedra said. It's about being out there. It wasn't comfortable when he had to go to that book thing. But he went. Because he knew it was the only way he could reach people in that country. We have so many opportunities. And, you know, Brother and I just, sisters, I can't. I just can't can't hardly fathom the thought of what if God just sends us 25 people in the next month. 25 people, 10 people walked in the door. What are we going to do? One person can't teach all those Bible studies. We've got to have a love for souls that transcends who we are and, and our comfort zones. And we've got to be willing to sacrifice our time, our money, 
Whatever it is. We can't say, well, i got to work tomorrow. I can't teach a Bible study. Yes, you can. You don't think God's going to give you that sleep back? If you're doing something for His kingdom, praise God. We're talking about exploring God's Word. And so we kind of left off with uh, a little bit with Abraham. And in Genesis 12, 2-3, it says, I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Just because of, and God, God spoke that and gave it to a man to write it in his book called the Bible. And God don't say things flippantly. God doesn't just throw stuff out there. He means it when he says it. Because his word is forever settled in heaven. Amen? And so, as Brother Becker taught a few Wednesdays back, we God is a God of covenants and promises. And God made a promise to Abraham and to us. Because we are an extension of that. If you have the Holy Ghost and you're baptized in Jesus' name, you've received what was called in the New Testament the promise of the Father. And we had prophets that testified and prophesied about this and had no idea what they were talking about. That they were talking about a Christ that would come and die on a cross. They had no idea, but God was using those men and women to prophesy coming events. Here we are today. We're no different than the book of Acts church. And I think Brother Smelter said it. That book of Acts didn't end. We're still living in the book of Acts. We're still the church of the book of Acts. And the Bible says that they went daily. We, don't, we skip over that word. We read it, but we don't really kind of stop and park on it for a minute. They went daily from house to house. Breaking bread and having fellowship together with all the people. And God gave them favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily. And one translation says, such as were being saved. King James says, such as should be saved. But one translation in the Amplified, I believe it says, such as were being saved. How were they being saved? We can't save anybody, right? But somebody was going to their house. They didn't have a Bible or a chart. But somebody was taking their testimony to their house and saying, I was there on the day of Pentecost. I was there in the upper room. I was there in the crowd that day when 3,000 were filled with the Holy Ghost. I remember it. I was there. Let me tell you. <laughs> and if you start sharing your testimony with somebody, you just don't, don't doubt for a second that the Holy Ghost is not going to move into that place. And so God gave us promises and he gave us covenants and from the very beginning it was all about choice wasn't it adam and eve made a choice abraham and sarah made a choice they made some bad choices they tried to step around god's will didn't they we don't do that do we (laughs) yeah we do (laughs) sometimes we do 
We don't, we don't want to wait on God, so we just, we're going to step in and help God along here since He must have obviously forgotten that He promised us something. God, has, God spoke to David as a king and said, you're going to be king. And he had him anointed as king. And how many years before he actually was king? Like 20. So just because God promises doesn't mean he's not going to, if we don't see it right away, it doesn't mean he's not going to perform. And maybe, just maybe, it's not his will for him to answer your prayer. Because we need to pray sometimes, thy, thy will be done. What if it was God's will for that person to be sick and not be healed? What if it's God's will for this or that or the other to happen in your life? He allowed all kinds of turmoil to go on in Paul's life after he called him to preach. And Paul could have left that walked away at any time. Just like one of us today. We could just walk out the door and never come back. If that was our choice. But Paul made a choice. I'm not turning away from this thing. This thing is bigger than me. Paul realized that he was part of something much bigger than, than himself. And that God was using him. And so Paul endured those things. How many of you have been beaten in the street and, and have big rocks thrown at you so they left you for dead? And God didn't let him die. He said, I'm not done with you, Paul. Get up. Kick the rocks. And they weren't little bitty rocks either. They were great big rocks. God must have healed him. There might have been some broken bones from that. I watched him stone somebody on a YouTube video over in the Middle East. It was not pretty. It was hard to watch. They buried, the one person, they buried him up to their neck and they stoned him. Until there wasn't nothing but a pile of rocks there. So it's hard to imagine that. That's what they did to Paul. <laughs> he just kept loving people. He just kept loving Jesus. He just kept going. And we go through our little trials and tests that we go through. And it's not worth that for the kingdom? Hallelujah. What's that got to do with the Bible study? I don't know, but hopefully when you're teaching the Bible study, you're not just going to read the book. When God, when God stirs you in the middle of a Bible study, you need to just kind of go with the flow, if you will. You've got to flow with the Holy Ghost. Because you have the Holy Ghost, right? If you're, if you're, if you're Holy Ghost filled and you're teaching a Bible study, don't think for a second that God won't turn you in a direction in that Bible study. Just listen. Listen. How important is it to listen for the voice of God? Abraham and Sarah got that, they received that promised son finally. And so what happened? God made Abraham choose. He, he gave Abraham some instructions. He said, take him up on the mountain and kill him. Abraham had to make a choice if he was going to believe God or not. Then he had to make a choice if he was going to do it. And Abraham didn't hesitate. He prepared everything. He just said, I, in his mind, he was probably saying, I don't understand this. I don't like this. But God is God. 
And he knows what he's doing. He just had to encourage himself in the Lord and just go on and do it. Now, how important is it to know the voice of God? It's real important. Because at one point, when Abraham had the knife up in the air, and he was getting ready to drop that knife down and kill his son, his only son, Isaac, God spoke to him and said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad. He spoke to an angel. Neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know. God was putting Abraham to a test. And Abraham passed the test. Now I know that, th- that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And so we got to be willing to sacrifice of ourselves for the kingdom. If God gives you a blessing and then turns around and takes it away, that's His business. But God, I didn't get to enjoy that blessing, Beryl. It doesn't matter. Just be thankful that you were blessed. Amen? God's promises will come to pass in His timing, not necessarily in ours. We're not going to understand God's timing. We're not going to understand how He does it. Because we think, well, if, if I were God, if this is how I would have done it. But that's not how it ends up happening, is it? Because God knows everything. And He knows every detail. And He knows exactly when something and how something is supposed to come to pass. And I thank God sometimes that He didn't tell me the details. Because <laughs> if I'd have known the details, I would have turned tail and run the other way. Right? Thank God. So Abraham exercised something that I wrote a note here called obedience without hesitation. And as we're teaching this Bible study, God's probably talking to some of you and and he's probably dealing with you and you have to you have to decide. Because just like God was a gentleman and he won't force you to have the Holy Ghost, he won't force you to be saved, he won't even force you to come to this place every Sunday and every Wednesday. You have to decide. You ha- we have to decide that we're going to be here. And he's going to test our faith. Amen? He's going to test our faith. Hebrews 11 and 17. I know I probably didn't put this on the notes. I didn't. Sorry about that. But it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac shall all thy seed be called. Accounting that God was, also, was able to raise him up even from the dead from whence also he received him in a figure. Abraham trusted God to the point where he, w- he was willing to put his own blessing and his own promise to death, even believing that God could turn around and raise him from the dead. God's going to ask you to kill some stuff in your life that you think is important. He 
this is so important, I just can't do without this. And God might ask you, He might very well be asking you right now to put it on the altar. Remember that? We had that other missionary that preached to us about the altar. There needs to be an altar. Always. And we need to always have this on the altar. This flesh. Who we are. Because it's not about who we are, is it? It's about who He is through us. So when you're teaching that Bible study, it's not who you are. It's not you trying to impress people with your Bible knowledge. We all have... Vast amounts of Bible knowledge, we just don't want to admit it. But you don't have to be a Bible scholar to teach a home Bible study. Because God sent brand new converts out and sent them out from house to house. And God added to the church then with no pulpit, no microphone, no sound system, no, no building, nothing. God added to the church. So that was the pattern, wasn't it? And what did they do? They made disciples. We can't win a soul. Did you know that soul winning is not in the Bible? Did you know that? Now, there is a scripture in the book of Proverbs that says, He that winneth souls is wise. But in the, if you go to the New Testament, there's nothing in the New Testament about us being soul winners. But there is stuff in there about us being disciple makers. Making disciples of men. So what's the point of making a disciple? I'm a new convert, and I and I get into the church, and I and somebody takes me under their wing, and they start showing me stuff, and they start teaching me a home Bible study, and they start teaching me about faithfulness, and they start teaching me about tithing, and they start teaching me about uh, obedience, and and teaching me about honoring the pastor and just all these things that are important. This is the same stuff that my wife and I went through when we got in church, New Believers class. We were taught all this stuff. And then at one point, we were, it was put upon us to go out and find somebody else and, and, and draw them into the kingdom. Let God use us to bring them into the kingdom. And when God filled them with the Holy Ghost and they were baptized, then it was on us to begin to perpetuate that same thing that we just went through. And as time went on, that person was expected to do the same thing. How do you think we have a church today? Because that same model has been perpetuated for decades and eons since the day of Pentecost. We've been passing it on from generation to generation, haven't we? And so it's up to us. If we stop passing it on, what's that going to mean? God's going to add to the church. And so how important it is to know God's voice. Abraham had to know God's voice. When God said, stop, don't go any further with that knife. You better know the voice of God. We better know the voice of God. And as I heard one preacher say, God's always talking. The question is, are we listening? How many believe that? God's always talking. He's always talking. He's always saying something. And as I said earlier, God doesn't say things flippantly. 
2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture. And so the things we read in the Old Testament are just as important. There, there are patterns and processes and things that God set in place in the Old Testament that still stand today. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Is that in the Old Testament? Is that? Is that in the Old Testament? Yeah. And so, does that apply to us in the New Testament church? Absolutely it does. So the Word, no matter where it's at in the book, and if, I, I wish I had brought my Bible today. I do have it. It's just on my iPad down there. But everything in the book of, in the Bible between Genesis 1 and Revelation 21, 21, is that all of God's Word? Is it? Is that all of God's Word? Or is there anything outside of that? Is God still speaking? So that's not all of God's Word. That's all the written, forever settled Word. But God's still talking to people. God's still giving people visions. God is still sending people. He's still speaking to missionaries and sending them. He's still speaking to families and sending them to a city. He's still speaking to people. He's still speaking to a 75-year-old lady and sending her to a city in, in Minnesota that nobody's ever heard of to start a church. God's still talking. Now, none of that stuff he said to her was in the book. But it was all based on what was in the book. And he, she had to hear his voice and know that that was God sending her there. And not just her sending her there. Because if it was her sending her there, it probably wouldn't have worked. Probably wouldn't have worked. I know I'm getting off the subject. The chosen people of God. And so God continued to perpetuate the lineage of all these men. And so out of Isaac, the Bible says in Genesis 25-23, two nations are in thy womb is what God spoke to, to Isaac's mother and father. And, and it says, And two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when God said that, that was it. And if you go on through the story of Esau and Jacob, you find out Esau ended up serving Jacob. And that whole process of people making choices continued with these two. Esau was a guy that liked to, to hang out outside and hunt and fish and do all those kind of things. And Jacob was not. He was, he was another kind of man. Kind of, hang, kind of like hang out with mom and stuff. And so Esau was, was so hung on his flesh. And we've got to be careful sometimes that we don't let our flesh control us. Esau so let his flesh control him that he came in from hunting and he was so famished and hungry and so worried about filling his natural belly that he willingly sold his birthright his own brother for a cup of soup. He did. 
Go in there and read it. He said, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, you can have it. Just give me some of that soup. I'm about to starve to death here. That's what he said. If I can put it in the parlance that we understand, I don't care. You can, you can have the Corvette. I don't care. Just give me my cup of soup. Because that was, when you, when you gave up your birthright, he was the firstborn. And when the, first, the firstborn son got everything, Jesse, he got everything. But the father had to pray that blessing over him. He had to transfer it. And so who, did, who ended up with the blessing? Not him. Not Esau. His brother. But God, does God know what He's doing? Now, I, I admit, I don't, it doesn't really kind of get into the weeds about what, how Jacob got that, because he had to kind of fool his mom, fool his dad. His mom helped him. Come on in. And so they, he put a, a fur on his hand, and he, he tricked his, his dad into giving him the blessing. And so the same thing happened with Esau and Jacob that happened with the first two brothers on, in the Bible. Jacob, Jacob's mom heard that Esau was about to go kill him. Even though he, he said he could have the birthright, he forgot. Because in a moment of, of weakness of his flesh, he gave it up. And so now Esau was mad because he didn't get the blessing. So he was out to kill his brother. So his mom sent her mom, the mom sent Jacob off to go hang out with a cousin. And you you just thought that was the end of the story, right? <laughs> so Jacob gets out there and he has an encounter with God, and he sees angels ascending and descending, and he he has a vision. And that, at the end of that vision, he says, "Wow." He says, I, I, I know that I'm in, in the presence of God. And he, he says, actually, in Genesis 28, 16, and 17, how, uh, Jacob said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Be, being afraid, he continued, he dread, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And so Jacob was going to, be in charge. He was going to be over his brother, but not yet. He, he went through a lot of stuff. So he had to go to Laban's house, and he had to go through all that being tricked by his own uncle and not getting the wife that he wanted. Then he had to wait another seven years to get the wife he did want. And this all kinds of stuff happened. And so here, here's Jacob. He's going back to see his father. He hears that his father's dying. And so he's going back to see his father. And, and lo and behold... He finds out that his brother's on the way. And so Jacob had to deal with his skeletons in his closet, if you will. And then, and you think God's not going to let you off the hook if he didn't let him off the hook? Because we all got some skeletons in our closet. And you don't want to carry that stuff with you into your, into your salvation, into your walk. Do you? You want to you want to deal with that stuff. And there's been men in our current generation 
that have had stuff in their life that they went into the ministry and got married and had kids and they carried stuff and never told anybody about it. And all of a sudden one day God said, you're not going any further in your ministry until you deal with this. And one man, God had to send another man, another preacher, to tell him that he, was, he had to deal with it and the man knew nothing about it except God told him. And that's how God confronted this man. He sent another man to say, I, I know what happened to you at this age when you were, you know. And he's like, how did you know that? But when that man was faced with the thing that was hold, it was really holding him back, it was really keeping him from going further in God. And so when he got released from that, it just totally opened the doors for God to do even greater things in his ministry and life. He was set free of that. And so God's not going to let you get away with, you know, Jacob. What was Jacob's name? What, what did his name mean? Supplanter. He was a, a liar. He was a deceiver. Right? When, he was, when his brother was born, he, he tried to reach out and grab his brother's heel, right? Call him the heel catcher and they stuck a... They wrapped a cord around his hand or something. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong story. And so before Jacob had to deal with his brother, he wrestled with an angel one night. And that was like 20 years later. And so the angel said at one point, Let me go for the day breaketh. I believe that's... Uh, Genesis 32:24. Let me go, for the day breaketh. Jacob answered, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. The angel asked, What is thy name? Jacob, he replied. Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, said the angel, but Israel. For thou art a prince, and hath power with God and with men, and hath prevailed. And that when he said that part about for thou art a prince, what that meant, what he was saying to him, you are persistent and you are, you're willing to prevail. Are we, are we, are we going to be like that? Do we want to be like that? I don't want to just, just give up at the first sign of difficulty, do you? You know, because the devil, you know, God let the devil mess with Job something fierce. He really did. He let him take all his stuff. He let him take his family. He let him take his house. He let him get his own wife turn on him. God let all that happen for Job's sake. And this was a man that was a man after God's own heart. Job was a man that 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 he eschewed evil and he he did he was walking close to God. And if he if God allowed that to happen to somebody walking close to God, we don't, we're not going to get out of that. But I don't know about you, but I want to walk close to God. After the life I lived before I came in truth, I don't want anything to do with that anymore. And this is in your Bible study. You get back to talking about your testimony. You know, God delivered me from tobacco and God delivered me from alcohol. And I don't want to go back to that stuff. I remember what that felt like to wake up with a hangover. I remember what that felt like. I don't I don't want to go back to that. There's nothing about that I want. Nothing. 
And so Isaac had Jacob. So Jacob ends up with two wives, and he ends up having 12 sons. And those are the sons that were the 12 tribes of Israel. right? And one of those sons' names was Joseph, talking about God's chosen people. And one of those sons' names was Joseph. Genesis 37, 1 through 4. It says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. And these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and a lad was with his sons. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Why? It doesn't say that he didn't love his other sons. It doesn't say that. It just says that he loved him more. But why did he love him? Because he was the son of his old age. You know, imagine if you all had a a son. (laughs) He'd be a favored son, wouldn't he? Right? Sorry, Chad. Right? It'd be special, wouldn't it? It'd be real special. And he made him a coat of many colors. And so we, we know the story. And if you don't know the story, his other brothers got jealous. That never happens in the real world, does it? We don't ever get jealous of some God using somebody else in the church, do we? We don't ever have that problem, do we? Our flesh never gets in and starts telling us that we ought to be jealous and how dare God use them? Why can't He use me? What's wrong with me? Instead of rejoicing with those that rejoice and weeping with those that weep and being thankful that God's using our brother, we get jealous. Our sister. We get jealous. Why do we do that? Because we're flesh. We're flesh. But Joseph, as a young man, he was sensitive to the Lord, and he was a person of high moral character. His brothers became jealous, and when they saw that their father loved him above the other sons, uh, Joseph, and in the process of all this, Joseph started having these dreams. And in these dreams, he was telling his brothers, he said, yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was a, a a thing of wheat, and and all of you all bowed to me, and they all just mocked him and said, "Oh, you know, well, that's just silly. You know, we're never going to bow to you." And and we we fast forward the story, and so what what did Joseph's brothers do? They threw him in a pit and sold him as a slave, got rid of him, and then they went and took his coat, and they killed a, one of the lambs, and they dunked his coat in the blood of the lamb and they took it back to his father and said he's been killed by a wild animal. And they thought that was the end of the story. So God's covenant promise continues no matter what happens in the natural. Amen? So what ends up happening to Joseph? Well, he becomes a slave. He's sold into slavery. 
taken into the big city, into Egypt, and he's sold into slavery. Just, just like a piece of meat, sold into slavery. And this guy named Potiphar. Now, tell me that God doesn't know what he's doing. He, you know, God had a plan before he ever wrote the plan, right? He already had a plan before he ever wrote it down so we could read it. God has a plan. He still has a plan. If you're here, it's because you're in, in the plan. God has a plan. I want to be in God's plan. You ever seen a set of plans? I don't know if anybody's ever dealt with stuff like that, but sometimes they have plans for a building, and the, the first set of plans is just like the basic foundation. And then they have another set of plans that they lay over top of that. And that's the next layer of what they're going to do. And then they have another set of plans that's kind of on see-through paper, and you lay that over top of that one, and you start to see the bigger picture. You start to see the bricks and all the other stuff on top of the steel. And, I, you know, I have to ask myself sometimes, if God took His plan and overlaid it on what I'm doing, would they match? Would they match? Am I doing what God wants me to do, or am I doing what I want me to do? Would the, would the plans, if you laid them on top of each other, would they match? Just a thought. If not, if we, if we could see that for each one of our own lives, what would we do if we realized that we're not following God's plan for our life? He's got a plan for every person's life in this room, or you wouldn't be sitting here. He's got a plan for lives of people out that are sitting out there right now, laying in bed, getting over a hangover, doing whatever it is they did last night, whatever they're doing today, sleeping in. He's got a plan for their life, but they don't know the plan because they haven't come to, to know Jesus yet. And maybe that's because we're not following the plan for our life. Just saying. And so Joseph... You think it's over with when, you, when you've been sold by your own brothers into slavery. And so Joseph goes through more temptations. He goes through more trials. He's, he's faithful. He goes to work for this guy Potiphar, and he ends up becoming his bookkeeper, and he just has, he's got the key to the office, and he, can hand, he handles all of his finances, and he is just the top guy, and, and he just, and one day Potiphar was gone on a business trip, and what, what happened? Potiphar's wife had a kind of a liking, took a liking to Joseph and wanted to just have a little affair with him. Joseph had a choice to make. And as we said already, Joseph was a young man of integrity. And so what did Joseph do? Joseph honored his, his boss the slave owner, and he said, no, I'm not going to dishonor him by, by laying with you, and I'm not going to dishonor him, and he ran off. He made a decision. I am not going to break my own vow to myself to be a man of integrity. Don't we have to do that? Every day I got to get up and say, I'm going to be a man of integrity today. I am not going to let the temptations that are going to come my way because they are going to come your way. Sure as I'm standing here, they're going to come your way. Some pretty little thing's going to come your way. Some pretty little guy is going to come your way. Some other thing is going to come your way to tempt you. And what are we going to do when we're faced with that? 
And Joseph was faced with a, a very, very difficult temptation. And what happened? He ran. Unfortunately, she got a hold of his coat and he ran out of his coat and left it behind. And people are going to lie on you. They're going to lie on you right to your face. And there might even be somebody close to you. And she lied to her husband and said, oh, he came in and tried to molest me and rape me. And he believed it. And so Joseph, what happened to him? He was thrown in prison. It ain't like the prison you go into today where you got TV and you got a weight room, you got a library, you don't, none of that. It was a dungeon. It was like dank. It was nasty. Rats and no, they just threw the food down through a hole in the, in the ground that you were underneath the ground. They just threw the food down and you just had to just deal with it. And so he was in there for like 12 years. And you think, well, this is just going from bad to worse. I thought I was serving God. I thought, God, remember you showed me those dreams? You know, you just, you, you're conflicted and you're going, what is going on here? We're talking about a Bible study about exploring God's Word. And so God sends two guys in there to prison with Joseph and, and they both wake up and have these horrible dreams and they, they happen to mention it to Joseph and he said, well, I know what your dream means. That'd be awesome to be able to interpret people's dreams, wouldn't it? What happened to those two guys, the baker and the and the and the uh, cupbearer? Both of their dreams came came to pass. One of them died, and the other one got restored to his job. And then when when Joseph told them their dream, ah, you just you ate too much pizza last night, right? And so he tells those guys when they're leaving, hey, remember to tell the Pharaoh about me, okay? And they went, yeah, you got it. And they didn't. People are going to leave you hanging. People that you believe to be your brother and your friend are going to leave you hanging. All in the will of God. Hello? All in the will of God. And you got a decision to make. Am I going to get offended? Am I going to let myself get offended at that? Or am I going to say, I'm going to cast it on you, God. I don't understand it, but I'm serving you and I'm going to cast it on you. And whatever happens, you got this. It's hard to say that when you're in the middle of that. And so another few years goes by and now the Pharaoh starts having dreams. And he's right, and he, none of his uh, wise men can answer why, what his dreams mean, and he's about ready to kill all the wise men. And one of the, that one guy, that cupbearer, says, Oh, wait a minute. I remember now. There's a, I was going to tell you about this Joseph guy. He interpreted a dream for me. So that one guy saved the lives of a whole bunch of people just by remembering that. But that was the will of God. Okay, it was like God said, Okay, now tell him about Joseph. Wouldn't let him tell him before that. Just now, now tell him. And so Joseph interprets the dream of the king. Ends up becoming second in command. And do you think, do you think God knew that there was a seven-year famine coming before that? It didn't just jump up and, and surprise God. God knew that there was a seven-year seven famine coming in that land, and God knew who He needed to put in charge of that. 
And so God, through all of those steps, from his brothers throwing him in the pit to that point, God was working on Joseph and preparing him to be a leader. So you might be going through some, literally going through hell, and just just all kinds of just, I mean, hell's breaking loose all around your life, and you just think, dear God in heaven, why did I come start coming to this? But what if God's preparing you for something even greater than you can even imagine? And that's what he did with Joseph. And Joseph, through Joseph, his whole family was restored. His 12 brothers had to face the music. So you're not going to get out of, when you do something like that, God doesn't forget. And so Joseph and his brothers had to face each other. Not only did his brothers have to deal with their skeletons in their closet, Joseph had to deal with that. And part of that was because that was the reason that God took Joseph through what he took him through. To help straighten his mind out so that he wouldn't go into that, that position of leadership with bitterness in his heart over his brothers. Because he could have just smote them right there. Just done away with them. Just, yep, yep, those are those guys that threw me in the pit. Take every last one of them out there and chop their heads off. But God, God allowed him to come to a place where he was, had the ability to show mercy. And we got to have that ability. When we're teaching a home Bible study to somebody, I mean, <laughs> sometimes the results aren't going to be what you think. You're going to spend months and weeks and sometimes even longer than that with somebody and they're just going to walk away like you never said anything. You can't take it personally. You can't. You just got to give them to God. You can't save them. I know, you know, we want to see people saved, don't you? I do. I want them to come to the knowledge of the truth. I want people to know there's a better life. But if you've, if you've given them everything you can give them and you've showed them truth and they've read it for themselves and they walk away, guess what? That's on them. And you just, okay, God, where's the next one? You go find somebody else. And somebody will listen eventually. But I'm telling you, like I said at the beginning, people are hungry. And it's only going to get all the more as this world goes the way it's going right now. And there's going to be opportunities. And I'm telling you right now, I don't know. if it, I'm not prophesying. Maybe I am. But I just feel like there's going to be an influx of people start showing up here. And who's going to be willing to teach them a Bible study? We can't let the pastor do all that. It's not his job. It's our job. What's what's the fivefold ministry for? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. We're the ministers. Hadn't our pastor said that? You're a minister. You're to make disciples. All of us in here. Everybody. You can make a disciple. I mean, we got the book. Can't go wrong. Hallelujah. Everything in God's timing, right? Joseph was elevated when he needed to be. God will elevate you and he will 
He will set you up to do what He needs you to do when it's His timing. You know, I heard a preacher one time talk about they found a big clay pot in one of these digs out in the Middle East somewhere. And in that clay pot was seeds. I think he said it was wheat seeds. And they'd been there, you know, a thousand years. And they took some of those seeds out of that pot and they planted them. And they were still good. So what if you're just one of those seeds in that pot, he said. What if God just got you in a pot waiting to plant you somewhere? Just be, be, be faithful in where He's got you. But I believe that it's God's will for every one of us to be involved in ministry of some sort. And I, we all have a home. We all can read. We all have Bible knowledge. We all have a testimony. And we all should have a burden for, for the lost. A burden for souls. A burden for people. A love for people. A love that transcends who they are. What they look like. Where they came from. What they've been through. Even if they're a backslider. Even if they've been hurt. We've, we've got to have a love for people. Because that's what they want. It's just somebody to just love them. Right? They want a relationship. What better relationship to have than a relationship with Jesus Christ? And it's just the most awesome feeling in the world to know that you played just a tiny little part in teaching somebody a Bible study and you watched them. You watched, their, you watched them, the eyes open. You watched the understanding come. And to know that God let you be used as that vessel to bring them to that place. Amen? Hallelujah. So next week, we're we're at the end of Lesson 3. Lesson 4 is going to start talking about the exodus from Egypt. And that's kind of a, a type and a shadow of our salvation, isn't it? God delivered us out of Egypt when He saved us, didn't He? He delivered us out of sin. We're going to talk about that next week. Okay? Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to minister to your people. Lord, I pray and I hope that something I've said has been according to your will, that you have ministered to the minds and hearts of your people. Plead your blood over them, Lord Jesus, over their minds. Don't let the devil take anything away that you have put there for them today, Lord. Don't let him take it, but let it stay there. Let them think on it. Let them chew on it. Nurture. Let it be nurtured in their mind, O oh God, and send us out. Lord Jesus, as vessels for your glory to this city, to this lost world that's all around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so we'll be back up here at a quarter till 11.